You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. It happened almost three years ago. And in retrospect, it should have been a warning sign. Some people have been taking the Greyhound bus in B.C. for decades. The biggest thing all these travelers have in common is that they are the last people in the province to board this bus to Kelowna as the company seizes operations in B.C., Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Without even a pandemic to restrict travel, Greyhound determined that their Western Canadian routes, mostly in rural areas, just weren't popular enough to be profitable or sustainable. So it got rid of them. There was, at the time, a news cycle about it, about the people left stranded by the decision. We even did an episode on it. And then most of us, who weren't impacted by the cuts, moved on. And then a pandemic hit, and travel ground to a halt. And so naturally, Greyhound paused most of their remaining routes until last week, when they announced that those routes all of their routes, in fact, weren't paused. They were over. Richard, after years of declining ridership, Greyhound is slamming the brakes on its Canadian operations. It is hard to believe, isn't it, Erica, that Greyhound's going to be no more in Canada? I mean, these guys have been around in this country for a hundred years. As you might imagine, if rural Western Canadians were impacted by the 2018 cuts, this is the same thing magnified. There are dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds, of small Canadian communities where, if you don't have a car, Greyhound was literally your only option. And now it's gone. And here's the thing. This can be a tragedy, or it can be an opportunity. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Alexis Zhou is a freelance journalist and also a fierce advocate for Canadian transit. Hey, Alexis. Hey, Jordan. Thank you for um, having me here. Oh, you're very welcome. We actually covered uh, this story back in 2018 when Greyhound pulled out of Western Canada. I'm wondering if you can just sort of briefly walk us through what's happened with Greyhound since then. Yeah, that has indeed been a very unfortunate situation. So Greyhound pulled out of Canada uh, Western Canada about uh, two years ago, uh, citing that they're running in a deficit. Uh, but very recently, Greyhound announced that they're completely withdrawing from all of Canada. So they're completely suspending their operation uh, because they're having a huge shortfall in the, uh, in the ridership. For those of us who live in big cities and might not understand it quite the same way, how woven into Canada... Are bus routes like the ones Greyhound was running uh, across the country? Yeah, Greyhound is extremely important for Canadians, not just those living in big cities, but also in the rural areas, especially for um, uh, for people living in in small towns along major highways. That's basically their only connection to the outside world if they're not driving or if there's not an airport in their town. So Greyhound is here literally is your lifeline to the outside world. And with Greyhound suspending the service uh, completely, they're losing their only public transit connection to the rest of Canada. So they're stranded in their own towns. Who uses that kind of service? I mean, obviously people without cars, but, but what kinds of stuff are they using it for? Yeah, actually, uh, 
lot of Canadians rely on public transit, intercity transit like Greyhound. It's not just people who don't drive or people who might be、uh, students, young professionals, or senior citizens. It's also people who who just choose to not drive,、uh, especially in cities like Toronto and Montreal. A significant percentage of people live in Toronto and Montreal. They don't drive, and so they need to rely on services like Greyhound to get around Canada. How many companies,、um, if any, I guess, are there who might step in to pick up those routes?、Um, obviously, I'm assuming Greyhound cut them because they weren't really turning a profit. Yeah, there are quite a lot of companies that are thinking about、uh, taking over、uh, Greyhound's spot. For example, Megabus they had just now launched their service between Ottawa and, and Toronto, and there are several other companies that are、uh, considering to launch a coast-to-coast bus coalition to sort of run a national bus network, and they're currently planning, and、uh, it's currently at the planning stage, and will、uh, be up and running possibly in a few months. So, why are so many people worried about Greyhound vanishing? Then, if there are other companies that can take it over. So yeah, here's the thing: that the failure of Greyhound is actually not necessarily the failure of Greyhound itself, but the failure of the regulatory system. So in Canada, many provinces in Canada outlawed regulation. So for any bus route, there can only be one company running the route.、Uh, for example, Toronto to Montreal is exclusively run by Megabus because they have a monopoly and it's legally sanctioned monopoly. Any other company cannot compete with Megabus、uh, on this route, and so the result of this is that the Greyhound, they previously、uh, they held a monopoly on on many routes across Canada, and now since Greyhound is exiting the market, new players will be taking Greyhound's place. But the problem is, the regulatory system is still pretty much intact. So Ontario is an exception. So Ontario is now. Deregulating the market entirely, but for provinces like Quebec, there can only be one bus company running, and the the consequence of that would be a new player would eventually end up in a similar situation that Greyhound was in,、uh, because one company cannot provide sufficient service, and the ridership will just keep on decreasing, and ultimately, it's just the history will repeat itself, and we're seeing this repeating and repeating. In the Atlantic province, so so a few years ago, one of the largest company, like actually the only bus company running the Atlantic, closed down、uh, because of the、um, ridership decrease. And now we have the Atlantic bus running exclusively in the Atlantic province because they're the only company holding the monopoly. And now they're facing the same problem that the previous player faced. So the only solution, long-term solution, to end this mystery is to either deregulate the market, like what Ontario has done, so that more players can, more companies can run the same route, or to nationalize it. How would nationalizing the bus industry work? What would it look like? Yeah, nationalizing bus industry is completely viable and possible, and it takes little effort on part of the federal government. So right now we already have Via Rail, which is a nationalized、uh, passenger rail service. Right. And all Ottawa needs to do is to expand Via Rail and to、uh, to incorporate bus service into the existing Via network. For example, right now there's no way you can travel from Winnipeg to Calgary 
So there might be some bus service running, but it's very uh, fragmented and takes and the service very infrequent. The Via Rail just needs to set up a bus line connecting different provinces and, and cities that, that is, are underserved by existing options. And then we will have a nationalized, nationwide network from coast to coast connecting cities and towns for all Canadians to use and enjoy. It sounds so simple. Why haven't we done it already? As you point out, we've already done it with the train. Yeah, uh, if you're going to have a real bus network, which is going to be relatively, I would say, low budget because it's a bus. It doesn't cost much to uh, for the government. It's really low cost. Uh, the, the problem, the only obstacle uh, is that the, the federal government is unwilling to invest in intercity transit. Uh, the, Ottawa's consistently been neglecting the intercity bus industry for, for decades. Uh, to be honest, uh, the, the current regulatory structure we, we had was actually reminiscent from, from five, like five decades ago. Huh. Uh, in approximately like around 1970s, the Supreme Court of Canada rendered judgment that actually intercity bus belongs to federal jurisdiction, but at the time, the federal government wasn't prepared to regulate the market because at the time, Everybody was traveling on the buses, so it's a huge market, and the federal government just wasn't like ready to regulate it. But now, 50 years later, the bus is no longer that important than it was 50 years ago, and yet the federal government still hasn't updated their regulation. So right now, all the regulation is actually delegated to the provinces, and which actually creates a chaos because each province has very different regulatory standards. So it's very difficult for bus companies to coordinate interprovincial routes. So that's why so many networks in Canada are fragmented. Like one company running this route in this part of uh, Ontario, for example, and another company running route over there in a totally different area. And they're not connected because the regulation uh, does not facilitate them. So all we need is for Ottawa to update the regulation to federalize regulation, just like what it did to the trucking industry. And so we'll have a national, nationwide coordination um, done by Ottawa, which will make things a lot easier. When you float the idea of a national bus service, say, run by VIA, are there examples of a national bus service um, in any of our peer countries that we could look to? Yeah, actually, in the United States, a lot of intercity transit is actually subsidized. Uh, for example, in Virginia, uh, the Virginia, basically the state government, they're collaborating with the uh, Megabus to run a subsidized uh, bus service across the state of Virginia, which is low cost, affordable and reliable. In Colorado, for example, uh, they have this service called Breeze, which is run by the government and it's been extremely popular with tourists and local residents alike. And even just in, in Canada, we have we have the Go Bus. If you live in Toronto, right, you you know that the Go Bus is what people rely on to uh, commute between the suburbs and the city. And so, all we need to do is to to use the model of Go Bus, but to expand it to a nationwide scale, right? Also, in Ontario, we have Ontario Northland, which is a Crown Corporation, which currently serves northern communities like Sudbury and Thunder Bay. So we just need to expand them to all of Canada. So it's not just a provincial service limited to a few communities in Northern Ontario, but we have a nationwide public network 
federalized and coordinated by Ottawa that connects cities and towns from coast to coast. This sounds like something that everyone wants the federal government to do, uh, except maybe the government itself. I'm wondering if they've given any indication over the past, I guess, week or so, since Greyhound announced it would stop running routes completely, that they might do this, that they might take action uh, or at least move in a direction that would connect some of the sort of patchwork stuff you mentioned. Exactly. The the Greyhound is really a wake-up call uh, for Ottawa to really uh, to re-examine the regulation, uh, the regulatory structure, to really to to take intercity bus seriously, because for the past five decades, the federal government has done absolutely nothing to review or or revamp its regulation. So we are pretty much stuck in the 1970s in terms of uh, how the federal government sees intercity bus network. It really takes its political willingness and the political, I would say, courage to to stand up and to to say that the federal government must do something um to update the the framework and that's all we need has the transportation minister said anything even about um the end of greyhound in canada yeah they're aware of the situation at least they're looking into it they say they're they're concerned that the the the, the, the care they care about the, the northern community they care about the indigenous communities they care about the rural communities but in reality they're not they're absolutely not doing anything. Like, from what I know, they're absolutely doing zero to uh, to improve the situation. When you mentioned that the other option is deregulating these rules across all the provinces, aside from Ontario, has that been floated? Have any provinces that have now maybe lost Greyhound routes moved in that direction? You know, y- you advocate for transit in that community. Is there any hope that that will happen soon? Yeah, so Ontario uh, is deregulating the bus market starting July. And so what we really need to see is that the provinces to deregulate its uh, its bus market to encourage more entrance. So the problem is not that we don't have enough bus companies. The, the, the thing is with many bus companies, they're eager to serve, they're eager to launch new service to compete with each other and to provide affordable options to Canadians. Uh, they want to serve, they want to uh, to run routes, but the thing is they can't because of regulation. They are legally forbidden to run bus passenger service, and that's really a, a shame. We see this in the Atlantic provinces, where there's only one monopoly running very infrequent service. On some routes, there's only one bus a week, like wow, or three buses a week, and that's just not how people travel. Like, it's just totally ridiculous. So, what we need is for uh, for bus companies to allow them to provide service, to allow them to provide frequent and reliable service to Canadians. And those the way to do this is through deregulation. And we see this in Germany. Uh, in Germany, they have very competitive uh, interstate bus market, and we see uh, companies like Flexbus has been extremely successful. Like, for example, like 10 euros, you can we can travel in a very long, like relatively long distance. And we see that in the United States, after deregulating, for example, the New York to Boston route, there are upwards of 10 companies running the same route. Mm. So the, the frequency of the service is, is insane. You literally have a bus every five minutes that goes from New York to, to Boston, and you only have to pay $5 
sometimes we're running a discount, just five dollars from wow. New York to Boston, because of the competition, because of the deregulation. The de- um, but in Canada, we don't have competition because the regulation is too strict. So once we have deregulated, really we'll see bus coming from across the nation rushing to provide service. This is my last question then, just because you know we began this conversation on a kind of depressing note that there are people in small towns across Canada that are losing service. But as you describe it, is there a real opportunity here? Like, I think a lot of people would say that rural bus networks have been pretty poor in Canada for a long time. Like, you mentioned that it's a wake-up call for the federal government. Is it also a chance to finally get this right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really, a, it's really the, the, the opportunity of a lifetime. I would say once in a generation opportunity uh, to completely revamp and re-examine how we connect our rural communities, like how we connect different provinces of Canada. Uh, it's, it's really a shame that Canada as a country is so like disconnected from each other uh, in terms of a passenger transportation service. Uh, we have a very weak passenger rail service that, that barely, that only caters to tourists. And we have a bus network that's, that's barely functioning. And, and so it's really a, the, the opportunity of a lifetime to reconnect our rural communities have long been neglected and forgotten. Uh, for the rural communities, simply deregulating the market might not be enough because for some rural communities, there might be a, the population is too sparse and it might not turn a profit for, uh, for companies. So this is where uh, a public nationalized network could come in to serve the rural area where the private sector might not be interested in serving. The, the real solution, I would say, would be uh, first deregulating. Either provinces can, can do it on, on their own, or the federal government can, can come in and say, hey, I will now take over the regulation, and now I'll deregulate the entire industry so everyone can, can do their thing. That's the first step. Uh, the second step would be to start a, a national public network to make sure that every community has the um, reliable service, especially the rural communities that might be uh, continue to be neglected by the private sector. This way, uh, not only will Canadians be able to travel uh, affordably across from coast to coast, but also the rural communities will no longer be forgotten. Alexis, thank you so much for explaining this to us today. I'm glad it's an opportunity. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan, for having me. That was Alexis Zhou. And that was The Big Story. For more from us, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. Find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. Talk to us via email anytime. TheBigStoryPodcast. It's all one word. It's all lowercase or uppercase if you want. Have some fun at rci.rogers.com. And as always, we're in your favorite podcast player in Apple, in Google, in Stitcher, in Spotify, on your favorite smart speaker. If you can figure out how to make the apps work, we're also probably on your smartwatch. Don't ask me because I don't have one. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.